hoping that you understand You ain't the man to tell you in demand Just pray to God we keep you in the plan You ain't the man to tell you in it We're live Hey there, welcome to episode 124 of Time Out with Ty After a brief hiatus, we're back and better than ever With my good friend? I don't know, we'll see what he says Adam McGee uh, site co-experts at Behind the Buck Pass, hosts of the Win in Six podcast, some other stuff as well. Adam, how's it going? We were good friends until you hesitated about us being good friends. Listen, but... I, I, in my estimation, we're good friends, but with you, I'd never know, you know, how how mean you're going to be be to me. Excuse me, on a certain day. Well, hello to everyone listening, and you know, not so much to tie after that introduction. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I don't know. I've lost count now. It's been a lot of times. Yeah, I, it has. I always enjoy uh, coming on, time out with Ty and making fun of Ty a little bit. I mean, you just have to. If you come on here and you don't make fun of me, you're really just wasting the opportunity. Um, we're here today, early morning on a Sunday, to talk about NBA over-unders that Westgate released a couple weeks ago. Someone, I thought there might be, there might be a slight update to these, but I couldn't find it readily. So we're just going to go with the original ones that everyone wrote about. Um, I mean, I think to be to start, we should probably do that disclaimer people always do when they talk about this, is that this isn't the amount of games Vegas necessarily expects these teams to win. It's more so like what the betting lines are on them. I mean, I'm not a big gambler guy, but I'm pretty sure like, it's not like some guy at Vegas wasn't like, I think the Nuggets are going to win around 47 games. It was like, this is the line that gets the most people to bet. Is that correct, Adam? Um, yes and no. Uh, there's probably a combination of the two. There's probably uh, some lines where they'd like to bait people in. But, I mean, generally, I think we'll find when we go through this, these lines are going to be pretty accurate for most teams that it's going to be tough to say, well, over under. Um, and that's obviously the point of it, because they don't want to be giving out easy overs, easy unders. There's probably a few in there that we feel would fit that billing, but uh, I think it's probably a mix. Yeah, maybe there's a few. Um, maybe you want to draw in a few people on LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah, just definitely to, that one. Just to generate some some interest, some money on that. But it's probably a combination of the two. I mean, first and foremost, they tend to... Keep them pretty accurate because it's it's their money on the line. They can't can't all that easy afford to play kind of loose with what they set the lines up. So let's just let's hop into it with the Western Conference because I know uh, we have I think we're both going to have at least something to say about number f- the projected number four team in the West. But we're going to go West and East one through fifteen on each conference. And the rule for this is we each have to say over or under. I was talking to Adam before we started recording. I'm a master of the hedge of not really giving an answer, not putting myself out there like that. I'm going to I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to I'm going to give answers. I'm going to make sure Adam does too. So, first up, the Golden State Warriors, a small small market team some people might have heard of. They're projected first in the West and first at the NBA with 62.5 wins. Adam, where do you come in on the Warriors over under? Um I I think under just i don't know how much they uh, like as this goes on as year by year goes on i mean they've already done the history making regular seasons yeah that's gotta matter less than ever to them 
and their approach is very much to bring in buggy there's going to be a little bit more i guess learning and trying to integrate him as the season goes on and it just feels like they'll be able to breeze past most teams kind of playing around and having fun and then the latter part of the season will be about tuning up and getting themselves best set up for the postseason so i don't know i mean on the one hand it's kind of low for just how insanely good they are on the other hand it's a lot of wins you know (laughs) to win win 63 games or more in an nba season that takes a certain level of dedication a certain level of night-to-night consistency i don't know if they'll be all that into that or if they need to i think they've They've obviously dealt with on and off injuries, particularly to, to Steph. They may try to get out in front of that a little bit more this year because as much as the West is absolutely stacked, I think personally the gap between them and every other team in the West has probably increased. So I don't know if they have a need to burn themselves out in the regular season. So I'd probably just go with the under on this one. So this is not one I would ever want to bet. Mm-hmm. Uh I would take the over though. I think like you said, they were the injuries, they were really banged up last year. I mean, someone had a tweet recently going through just how many games everybody missed. Like Steph missed like 30, KD missed about a dozen. Uh, even Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green missed a handful each, and they still won fifty-eight. I just think like I just feel like they're so good, they're not gonna lose, you know, like that few games again, I don't think. Like I think they're gonna get at least sixty. And then you look at it and go, that's three more to get to their over from 60. I just think they're going to do it. I think they're, they might get kind of sick of people. I, I don't know. I, I just I have a feeling that they're going to, they're, if they're healthy, which, I mean, you have to take that into account because, like you said, you know, they're usually not the healthiest team, especially in the regular season, but really even in the playoffs. I just feel like they're going to rip some off this year. I feel like at some point they're going to go on another one of those runs where they win like 20 of 21 or whatever and, even if they coast around that, I just, I, I could see them just, I don't know. I don't know why I really have this feeling. I just feel like they only won 58 last year and like only 58 is pretty funny. And they really, they, they don't care that much about the regular season and why would they? But I don't know. I just have a feeling that they're going to rip off a bunch of regular season wins this year. I think that's fair. I think 60 is the mark at that though, where yeah. they'll want to get to 60. That's a matter of pride. That's a statement. I don't know if they'll be looking to gun past that. So obviously that depends on what point in the season you get there. But even if they were pushing to get to a certain number, I think if they got the 60 kind of tail end of the season, there could be an element of shutting guys down because they, although they haven't really been hit by the worst injuries, like they haven't had a full season completely kind of disrupted by injuries in the last few years there's always kind of been injuries around the fringes particularly as the year goes on i'm sure they'd like to take that stress out of it if at all possible so i think 60 is something they'll definitely shoot for but beyond that i don't know if they'll care enough to to do anything other than rest a lot of guys and get ready for yet another championship yeah i mean igadala basically took the regular season off last year and that i think definitely impacted their win total i mean when he was in there it just didn't Really, like a lot of people thought he was done just because of how slow and just generally not great he looked in the regular season, but it was pretty clear he was just saving it for the playoffs. I think the thing that'll either prove me, me or you right on this is how their young guys look. Like if Pat McCaw and Jordan Bell, et cetera, really come along, then definitely I think they're going to be over because I mean, those guys are going to play heavy minutes as the 
the big four, so to speak, and Iggy rests a lot. And like if Jordan Bell ends up being a revelation, which he might, then they're just going to be really stupidly good. Yeah, I agree. Like Kevon Looney is my guy with that. I think yeah. he'll get better. I think he made big strides last year and he'll only get better. I didn't think that it was possible for them to get him back and get him back at the kind of price they did. But of course they did. So they have good options. Like, I mean, that's that's the thing that's really most impressive about it. They have the most top heavy roster the NBA's ever seen in a lot of ways, and yet they've managed to round out and add quality young pieces to keep their their depth consistent so yeah i don't i don't really see any big change for the warriors but i just go under 63 is so many wins it is um, it is but this team is 173 yeah so they don't need to do it again yeah but hey we'll find out yeah we'll see number two is the rockets 54.5 i'm gonna say this one's tough this one is tough because everyone is split on the Rockets. Some people think that Ariza and Bahamute were not that important. Some people like David Griffin on Howard Beck's podcast. I just I just finished that up the other day. Griff thinks it was very important that they lost those two guys. I'm going to say under. I just think like CP is coming off a pretty major injury. He's another year older. You know, Harden was remarkably healthy and great all season. And they lost some important guys and they replaced them with Carmelo Anthony, who is by all accounts just a minus on your win total because, you know, the the, 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 the thing people always say with Carmelo is like, if he does this, this, and this, you know, if he comes off the bench and swallows his ego and becomes more of a spot-up shooter, well, he was more of a spot-up shooter sort of with the Thunder, but he couldn't do the other stuff. He's never really been able to defend. I mean, I just think he might, throw that team off it might be a a Harden and Dwight Howard situation from a few years ago and like I feel like the most underreported thing with the Rockets Mike D'Antoni and Carmelo Anthony hate each other (laughs) like I don't know why there was this push to add Carmelo again to the situation after how it went with the Knicks and and D'Antoni clearly it's not a great fit for those two but that's that's what they did so I, I don't think they're going to be like awful. I don't think he's going to completely nuke. They have so much talent, but I don't think they're going to be as good. And I think they're going to stumble at a couple points in the season. So I'm going to say not very under, but I, I will go under. I, I think they'll be like low fifties this year. I think they're a worse team overall than they were last year in terms of the bigger picture. I, I would be in the camp that thinks losing Ariza and Abamute and for how to soft them out may ultimately hurt them because they were two guys who helped them to be best equipped for the challenges that they hoped to overcome against the Warriors. I'm going to go just over on this, though. And it really has nothing to do with Carmelo Anthony. I just, you know, he doesn't factor into this for me, which says it all, really. Um, Chris Ball played 58 games last year. That's a significant amount to miss. His health is enough of a kind of ongoing issue that it wouldn't be unusual for that to happen again. but. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with they get a slightly healthier Chris Paul. They get closer to a full slate of games. And when you think of how good they were with Paul and Harden healthy, if they get that, they're still gonna be one of the very best teams in the league, better than basically every team other than the Warriors in this stacked Western Conference. And they're gonna win a lot of games. They just have a lot of players who know how to do that. Obviously, they managed to bring back Clint Capella, which was the most important thing. It's one thing losing guys like Ariza and Bamute. Um, it's another if you'd lost Clint Capella. So 
I'm going to go over. I don't think again it would be by much. You're looking 55, 56 wins to me would seem perfectly realistic. I'd I'd struggle to see them fall below 54. I think part of the, the reason for me is I think the West generally got better on almost almost every team, I would say, I think got better. Like the only star who left the West was Kawhi, and he didn't play last year, and the Spurs were still pretty good, and they replaced him with an all-NBA player. We'll get to the Spurs. I have some Spurs thoughts. But, yeah, I think I think it's going to be pretty close to 54. I think the, the, the top two are, are good examples of good – Tough to tough to bet sneaky over unders. Number three is Oklahoma City Thunder at fifty point five. I'm pounding the over on that one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's only so much. Again, I I wouldn't say I'm pounding it. I think they'll get over it. The interesting thing is just how much better they're going to be without Melo. I mean, their their numbers with Melo off and uh, Paul George and Westbrook on last year were really really good. So whether that sustains in the longer term, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think they got some interesting things where they started to see some kind of nice flashes from younger guys. Like Terrence Ferguson was better than I thought he'd be as a rookie. And if he could develop and become something, they still have a lot of the same questions. But yeah, I think they should be one of the more consistent teams among those kind of top tier Western Western powers this year. and. Andre Robertson coming back from injury as well. That, yep. that will that will help a lot. So I, I think overall, they're a pretty well-rounded group. They still have the same kind of problems, namely shooting. But they also have, I mean, the most single-minded player in the league who will just kind of take over and do things. They have, I think, Paul George, who is probably about as good a complementary fit you could have for Russell Westbrook. So... I'm interested to see how that evolves and how they build on that in the second year. I would go over, not significantly, because more than anything, there's only so many wins to go around in the the Western Conference. But I do think they'll probably just get over that mark. They're definitely they're not a sub fifty win team to me. I really like Jeremy Grant. Like yeah, I great. really enjoy what he adds to them, and I think giving just just the mere act of giving Melo's minutes to him and Patrick Patterson, who I heard, Patrick Patterson, excuse me, who I heard, uh, I forget who the writer was. I think he was on Zach Lowe's podcast. It might be Royce. Royce Young. Yeah. Royce Young, yeah, who uh, said that I think he, he was thinking they're going to give Patterson some more minutes. I like that too. I mean, his offense was kind of a mess last season. He was but, awful. He was awful yeah. all around last season. I mean, that was one of the big wild cards that didn't. Yeah, because I remember we all, we all were like, wow, they got Patterson for that money. That's a great deal for them. And it ended up not being that last year. Yeah, and I think the the thing with Grant is – their whole center situation is weird because Steven Adams is a guy who should be looking to play 30 minutes a night and he's young enough more than that, really. Um, now you've got Grant and then what, what is the plan with Erlens Noel? Because there is the talk that, you know, he went there because there was a role for him. So what is that role and how they work that out? I mean, Grant was most interesting in small ball lineups as a five last year, and he's kind of got a, a quirky mix of skills that made him interesting in that capacity. I'm not so sure on if they're playing a whole lot where Grant is the four. I don't that, know, but we'll we'll see what happens. I think they've got options. It's just whether Billy Donovan can kind of get the most out of them or figure out how to actually use them. 
because there are some pretty weird ones that don't necessarily mesh with what most teams are looking to do in today's NBA. Well, their whole thing is going to be defense, right? I mean, if their defense is what it will, I mean, it should be like, if they, if they run out like Russ, uh, Russ Roberson, Paul George, one of Grant Patterson and Steven Adams. I mean, aside from Russ, that's like just all defenders and, that's, I think, sort of their focus, and they're good at that, and they're, then they're going to score some points just because they have Russ and Paul George, basically. It's going to be interesting. I mean, they, they just struggle so much to get anything out of their of like their wings, their bench wings. Like Offensively, they don't really get anything from Roberson. I, I'm not sure Abrinas is an NBA player. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, he's interesting, like you said. They kind of need to get something from him just because all these guys have tried to bring in to fill that same role. I mean, Corey Brewer was like the best complimentary non-Paul George Wigan they've had in a long time. And I mean, no offense, but it's Corey Brewer, man. Like, you can't expect that much from 32-year-old Corey Brewer anymore. It's going to be interesting to see if they can get, if they keep trying Abrinas, if they can get anything out of Ferguson, anything more. I think that's going to be the key for them. But even if they don't, I mean, just if Robeson can stay healthy, their defense is going to be a monster. and they'll, they'll win some games. TLC is the wing obviously haven't picked him up that they'll hope to make something out of that could change that and then obviously just production wise their bench should have more of a more of a kick with Dennis Schroeder in so well, that's I think, gonna be interesting I think they've done some things how they figure that out is the key part of it I mean they've got some players in who could help them or if you put them in the wrong situations or don't manage it right could be pretty detrimental so Getting a handle on that to get the best out of the team is a challenge for Billy Donovan. I think at this point, he might be under a little bit of pressure. I think he probably needs a good season. If they were to underachieve this year, I don't think he'd he'd make it back for another season. So I, I think there'll be a little bit of pressure on, you know, obviously improving on last year where they had their, their first round playoff exit. Yeah. Russell Westbrook might might try to murder Dennis Schroeder. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers, 48.5. This is clearly just a ploy to take a lot of money from from Angelos and Laker fans and LeBron fans everywhere. Give me the under, and I I think I think this is one of the more obvious ones. I mean, they're not going to be that good. Uh, I think they'll probably make the playoffs just because LeBron. But then again, like he might take a week off to shoot a movie. Like his his priorities are pretty obvious. He's been announced as the executive producer on like fifteen projects and signing in Los Angeles. You know, there's all these quotes from him about how he he won the title that he you know probably he never should have won in 2016. You know, that's not really the focus anymore. Winning rings, like I I just don't think there's any way they win 49 games in this conference with LeBron and uh, the young guys and a a really weird mix of veterans, none of whom can really shoot. I I was like the under, and um, I I. I really struggle to think they're going to make the playoffs. I know betting against LeBron isn't smart, but I don't know. And I, I don't know how much he'll really want it this year. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure he, he wants to see the progress and he wants to see them build up to a point that he is part of what feels like a real and, you know, equal super team, a team that can really compete with the Warriors. I don't think he'd be all that keen to overwork himself and kind of kill himself en route to getting this group to conference finals to have to carry all of those young guys. I don't know. It's a, it's such a weird, weird situation. And they just made it weirder with every single move they made this summer. 
I get the idea of what they want to do. And I say, I get it. I hear what they're saying. And I'm like, okay, that's a viewpoint. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's all that wise. I feel very sorry for Luke Walton, who, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like as if coaching LeBron isn't enough pressure, as if dealing with Lonzo and all of the circus comes around, that isn't enough pressure. He now has like, we'll say the most colorful group of characters that you could possibly assemble on an NBA roster. There's a lot here that could go wrong. And the other part of it is if LeBron is really locked in, he's focused on, I want to win a championship this year. I, I think he'll get a pretty significant wake up call. And how does he not fall back into the kind of behaviors we've seen from in the past when things are performing? Because I, this isn't a situation where he'll be able to, you know, be bored a month in and be like all the passive aggressive comments and we need to make changes. We need to do this. They can't rush things like that. They've got something if they manage it right, but it is going to take a bit of time. So it's a totally different challenge for him than what he's ever really had. I mean, you're going back towards when he was a rookie very early years in Cleveland to find something that compares at all. And of course he's a very different player since then. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think there's any chance that he's going to go out and play lead the league in minutes again for this group. I mean, it's just not there. And I think it's bizarre that the Lakers are kind of punting on a year of LeBron basically when, you know, I mean, he's defied father time. Like no player really has since, you know, like Kareem and Malone basically, but it's only going to last so long. Like, it's just weird. I, I don't know if we'll ever see a LeBron season like this last one again. I think I've for a long time maintained that I think he's going to become more of a ball handler and who just gets a bunch of assists and scores less as he, as he ages because he's just so cerebral and he can make any pass. Like, I think a 37-year-old LeBron is just going to average like nine assists per game and like however many points, probably below 20. But, I mean, that's not really going to work on this group because no one's there to to finish the buckets. Maybe Brandon Ingram will score like 40 points a game. I don't think so. Uh, I, I actually like the Rondo edition. I think he's become underrated just because people don't like him. He's he's a pretty good player, but most of the other ones are just bad. Like, Be what is Be what, what is Michael Beasley going to do on a LeBron team? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, under, 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 under. The next one I think is a pretty easy over. The Utah Jazz also at 48.5. So I tweeted last night, I was watching, or yesterday, I think it was during the day, I was watching Donovan Mitchell clips from that first round series against the Thunder. Donovan Mitchell's really fucking good. Like, Donovan Mitchell would get around Corey Brewer, which is sort of impressive, and Paul George, which is very impressive, and then score at the rim, either over or around Steven Adams, which again is very impressive. And he did this all series, like consistently, just one-on-one just cooking to like one of the better big man defenders in the NBA and some of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA. He can score in any way he has to. I mean, he was making catch and shoot threes. He was pulling up from three. He can pull up from mid range. Obviously when he attacks the basket, his finishes are just weird and very, very effective. I think he's a legitimate star. I don't know where he ranks in the top players in the NBA right now. I haven't really sat down and looked at that yet. Probably I would have him higher up than a lot of people would think. And their team is good. Rubio's going to come back and be healthy again. Grayson Allen might be good, um, which is kind of sad as a person who likes good people, but he looks like he can play as long as he doesn't you know, start crying and kicking people again. I think they're going to be an easy 50-plus win team if, unless something weird happens over there. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the they haven't strengthened in a way that most other teams have, and I think that would be the concern, but the the path to improvement for them is just actually getting some luck in terms of health. They've yeah. been so unhealthy for so many years. If they got a year where you know everyone could be healthy, well, what can that team cap out at? Um, to me, this is the only team that I think can get close to the Rockets in that kind of second spot in the West. But yeah, it it relies on a lot of the kind of the great coaching and a lot of the ways where they managed to kind of make these marginal gains and outperform expectations last year continuing, which is notoriously difficult when opponents start to make adjustments. And then there's also, you know, is Cantonov Mitchell follow that up? I mean, I, I think he is as good. I absolutely loved him pre-draft. That only obviously grew further last year, but can he keep that up? That's a lot to ask. A lot to ask of a guy of his age. Um, I'm not big on Grayson Allen, but this might be a really good situation for him. And if he can give them something that works out, um, then it's about like they need, if they're to take the next step, they need either Alec Burks to finally be healthy and be something consistent and productive or Dante Exum to be healthy and be something consistent and productive. Uh, Rudy Gobert, not to be kind of struck down with injuries for significant points of the season. You know, all of that has to kind of mesh together. They found something. They found something as a unit. They clearly had a pretty tight bond towards the end of last season. Um, I believe a lot in Quinn Snyder's coach. So I, I feel like it will work out for the positive, but they will have to have some things fall into place if they're to make the most out of their season. I always really enjoy teams that sort of have a core unit, like you said, and it's clearly not a, a championship winner, but they just keep going and they keep adding and finding ways to get better. I, I always like those teams because I, I it's like there's too much talk of tanking these days. Like there's people who think everyone who's not like a top three or four seed should tank basically, and it, it just doesn't work that way. You know, the Jazz got better. I mean, obviously they might have gotten a little lucky, but and to their credit, right after they worked out Donovan Mitchell uh dennis Lindsay, i believe is his name the, the jazz gm was like if anyone talks about what we saw here today they're fired like they they loved him they traded for him and that's just it's a great story for the nba you know not every team has to be la or tank for three or four years to to become very competitive and i think that's good so shout out to the jazz the thunder as well who really like could have tried to tear it all down after kd left and before they gave Russ the extension but they said no we're gonna figure it out and they did so Congratulations to those teams. Uh, another one of those teams is the Denver Nuggets at 47.5. I'm very torn on Denver. Like, they clearly have good players. They they all now basically have been paid a lot, except for Jamal Murray. They were injured last season, which is why they barely missed out on the playoffs. Like, one of one of these teams in the middle top of the West is going to be worse, it just, just because there's only so many wins to go around. The Lakers are going to be better. I think the Spurs are going to be better. I don't know about Denver at 47.5. I'm going to say under just because I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the mid to low 40 win totals who are better than that just because there's only so many wins. I don't know. This is this is one of the toughest ones for me. Yeah. I mean, they, won, they won 46 last year, and that was with Paul Millsap missing a really large chunk of the season. Um, if Millsap's healthy, I think they're better. They're probably multiple games better. They have all the potential to kick on. If you look at 
say what sort of strides could Jamal Murray make I think he's really steadily improving and could kind of break out and go to a, a next level at any point Gary Harris is a player I really like and of course you've got Nikola Jokic um, then you've got like what if I don't expect it but what if Isaiah Thomas could give them something productive off the bench then all of a sudden that would be a really kind of big game changer yeah I'm going to go over, and I think it would just scrape over. I don't think they'll get to 50 wins. They'll be just kind of below that mark. Uh, but I, I think what is interesting is, you know, longer term, Michael Porter Jr. falling to them where he did. If they can get him healthy, they're not going to play him this year. If they can get him healthy beyond that, though, like they may have taken some of the biggest strides for their long-term future of any team over the past few months. And it may still be a year or two before we fully kind of get to see that realized. Yeah, I, I like the Nuggets. Some people love the Nuggets. I, I wouldn't go that far. They had kind of a tough time integrating Paul Millsap when he was healthy. It'll be interesting to see if he is healthy this year, how that goes. And just it feels like sometimes you have a unit and you just pay everyone and it doesn't go great. You know, the Trailblazers are a good example of that. I don't know. I, I'm not saying anyone there is selfish or whatever. I just think like sometimes you lock in a team early. Like they don't really know what they have. Like you said, Millsap wasn't healthy. You know, they might not be that great. We'll see. Obviously, they're huge believers in Jokic and they probably should be. I think he's really, really good. Probably, I would say great. I, I don't know if he's a top 10 guy or whatever. I mean, someone will throw his win shares at me. I, I don't really care about that. I watch him play and he's obviously very good, but I, I just wonder what your ceiling is when your best player is a, a big guy. Speaking of next seventh in the West, as projected by Vegas's over-unders, the New Orleans Pelicans at 45.5. Give me the over here. I mean, Davis is the exception to every rule, Anthony Davis. And they really stumbled onto something after Boogie got hurt. I mean, they've always been so insistent on putting a, another big guy next to Davis to minimize the wear and tear on him. And there's some logic in that. And they're going to keep doing that. That's why they signed Julius Randle. But, like, clearly the the uh, Miritich-Davis 4-5 lineups were just wholly unguardable. Like, there was really nothing Portland could do. Drew Holiday is just freaking awesome. They have a lot of good players. I mean, they lost Rondo, which will hurt, but I'm, I'm all in on the Pelicans. I think last, last playoffs was kind of a flashbulb moment for them, and I think they're going to capitalize on that. And as long as Davis is healthy, I think they're going to – I think they're going to push top four in the West. I'm going to take the under. I don't. I don't like their their off season. Um, I think they're a team who are pretty painfully lacking in wings. Oh yeah, like they have nothing there. Like it's it's bad, and I honestly think that stretches to the backcourt too, because you consider just how injury prone Drew Holiday has been at times over his career. I don't like it. There's real potential for it to fall apart really quickly. I mean. They did find something. The Miritich unlocked something for them and gave them some new looks that were interesting to me. And then they go and bring in Julius Randle on a good deal and a vacuum. I don't think that's a problem. And then they add Julie Locafor for whatever that ends up being or not being. I'm not crazy about it. And Anthony Davis does pick up injuries. He has done throughout his career. Um, I think there's probably an element of overachieving last year. Is this team better than they were with DeMarcus Cousins? Weird fit and all? Mm -hmm. I don't no, think so. I don't, I don't think so. 
obviously we didn't get to see that with his injury, but if we were kind of talking about best case scenarios for these teams, I don't I don't think it is. I'd I'd find it tough to see how it can be. I mean, it's not like Randall's a completely different style of big. He's just kind of a less talented player of a similar mold. I I'm not a big fan of the Pelicans. I I just they're they're not figuring out what they need to figure out is the way I think I'd put it. Part of that is some bad middling contracts, not necessarily top-end contracts, but middling contracts that are hurting them. But I'm not all that positive about what they could look like this year. Their, their wing depth is not good. I like Aton more. Uh, Solomon Hill has had good years. He has had bad years. Beyond that, I mean... I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're to look to and be like, oh, yeah, that's going to work out nicely for them. I'm going to take the under. Just Davis, really. Is it really is. It's just, it's a, and that's that's a lot on him. And I don't know how enthusiastic he'll be about another season where there's that much on him as it goes on, particularly as the West is as difficult as it is. Like, he is an unbelievable player. It's not enough to just have a team where he's your guy, though. That would have been fine years ago. The West has changed. The NBA has changed. You need more than that. And I'm not sure he has it, particularly when Drew Holiday can be prone to his own injury issues. It'd be a real good time for them to get what they bargained for out of Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill when they signed them. Those are the guys, really, with the bad deals. I mean, uh, Agensa's kind of stinks, too, but it's like $5 million or whatever. No one else really, I look at on that team and go, that's a bad contract. It's those two guys. And they wouldn't be bad contracts if they could be the three and D players that they wanted. That's all they were looking for with those two. And Moore has been pretty good. Uh, Solomon Hill has been kind of a disaster since he signed the deal. If they could get something, especially out of Hill more, then they, they could be pretty, pretty good. They'd still be thin, obviously, but they, they would at least have some functional wings at, at, at that point. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's their, their depth is clearly an issue. Uh, they might mess around and be bad and lose Anthony Davis this year just because, I mean, like, really, what is the vision here? Uh, former Buck DeAndre Liggins is there, though, so that's that's big. Number eight projected in the West. One of the teams, I think, that could implode. The signs are clearly there for that being a possibility. The Minnesota Timberwolves at 44.5 wins. The Timberwolves are one of the weirder teams in the NBA like they might fire Tibbs at some point, but before doing that, they've assembled a weird zombie bulls thing there where they have so many former bulls. Their interest has been legitimately reported in uh, Joakim Noah. If he gets bought out by the Knicks, which would just be another one. Uh, Jimmy Butler is always kind of in a little bit of beef. I think there's going to be a similar split as there was in Chicago between Wade and Butler and everyone else. I think that's going to be, Butler and whoever, probably the the Zombos and their young guys, specifically Wiggins and Towns. Towns, really, really good. Uh, stays up to 4 a.m. playing Fortnite, which, you know, I, I, I don't even do that anymore. So Carl Anthony Towns may be enough on the Fortnite. Wiggins just might be bad, which that, that draft class is just cursed. Hopefully Embiid can stay healthy and, and kind of be something good from that class. I don't, it's just a weird team. And, like if the if the bulls or the <laughs> excuse me the wolves end up breaking up with Tibbs, I think Butler's probably going to try to be out of there. Uh, I don't think he's. I mean, he might be trolling, but he's been liking a lot of comments on Instagram of like, "Hey, come to the Knicks, come to whoever else." 
I could just see things going very, very wrong for this team, which is sad because they're one of those teams, like I talked about, who's trying to build something. I mean, obviously they were bad to get Wiggins and uh, Towns. I mean, they traded for Wiggins, but still, I just don't – I'm worried about them. I'm worried about the Wolves. I'm not going to say over or under yet. I want to I want to hear what you have to say. But what, uh, what I thought you weren't hedging. I thought this was – I am. I'm going to say it, just not – I mean, their their total is low, right? It's like what? 44 and a half. 44.5. Yeah. But so pro- I'm going to say over. I've gone really? over too. I, I think they win 45 games. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a lot over. I think they have some weird issues and I don't know if they can work through them. I don't, I don't think it will go disastrously wrong. I don't think it will blow up in any way like that. I think it's just going to see its course more naturally. I think they'll be kind of middling, which is worse than they should be. Maybe not bad enough that it all goes catastrophically wrong. There's there's a lot that I like here, and there's so much that I really despise. It's just yeah. it is such a weird kind of Jekyll and Hyde roster. Um, I look Towns is really good. Jimmy Butler is obviously great. I like Jeff Teague, and I liked a lot of what he was able to give them last year. The problems are more look Wiggins isn't bad. And I think this is a weird thing with Wiggins' discussion. He gets pegged as being bad a lot now. He's not bad, he's just not the player that everyone thought he would be, and that means his role shouldn't be the role he continues to be in. Like, you've got to tailor that with his production. Um, it's, I mean, a good example is Michael Beasley doesn't get to be, like, a number one option on any team and hasn't been for years because at some point everyone went, okay, he's he's got talent, he's got something, he can do certain things, but he can't do them at a level we expect, so we've got to kind of significantly reduce the way we allow him to impact the game. I think that's ultimately going to be Wiggins. And I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be Michael Beasley. I'm saying his role will have to be tailored accordingly. Yeah, he might not be that good. Uh, I don't think that's true. Andrew Wiggins uh, shooting splits from last season, 43.8 from the field, 33.1 from three, 64.3 from the free throw line. I'm the least points he scored since his rookie season. Yeah, he can score though. I mean, I didn't Beasley. I don't think it's a direct comparison by any means, but it wasn't completely random that I bring that one up because I think he will fit. Look, we could bring up Jabari Parker as well. Um, yeah, this kind of a certain profile of player. And what Wiggins, the thing is, that was a different profile than most expected. Like his defense was talked up so much coming into the NBA, what he could be as an NBA defender, and that really has not panned out at all. Um, I like Josh Okogie a lot, who they drafted. I think Josh Okogie has star potential. If you're looking for, you know, I I'm, don't want to say the player's name, who everyone uses for this now, but uh, leading contender last year's Rookie of the Year race. If you're looking for someone who can kind of have a similar journey where people are like, oh, what happened here? How did that happen? Um, I think Okogie has the tools to do something interesting like that. Whether he gets minutes behind like all the weird former bulls and whether Aaron Brooks and Derek Rose eat up minutes that he could be getting remains to be seen. There are some good things here, some bad things and all in all, it will just kind of balance out somewhere underwhelming in the middle. My big question for the, uh, the Zombos is when Jimmy Butler sits, who else can play defense on this team? Teague, I guess. Josh is Taj Gibson, the third best defender. Or second, is he better than Jeff Teague defensively and is coming into like his ninth or tenth season? Like Probably. there's there's no one. I mean, yeah, Teague's not really a great defender either. So it's like Gorgie Jang, who is you know one of 
five bigs on this roster. It's, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, their big offseason addition besides a Kogi was like Anthony Tolliver. Great. It's I don't know. I mean, they got CJ Williams, who I like from the Clippers. He he uh, popped there last season on a two way. He'll probably never play because those are Derrick Rose minutes. It's I don't know. They, they they don't have a way to defend everyone. Everyone talks about the Nuggets as the terrible defensive team. Like without Butler, I think the Wolves are going to be up there in badness. Uh, it's it's going to be tough for them. I, oh, I, I, the Wolves don't have a, like a combination you could point to, like the Nuggets, where you'd say, okay, well, at least they've got, say, Gary Harris and Millsap, who can respectively add something to backcourt and frontcourt. I don't feel like they have two anchors like that. They have Jimmy Butler. And Good luck, he's, Jimmy. He's, right in, he's right in the middle of it. I mean, he's he's a wing, so he's not going to really kind of that's a tough position to tie everything together from if you're on your own. It's yeah. going to be just fine, which is not what they were hoping for when they acquired Jimmy Butler and dreamed up what a new big tree would look like. No. One of the most interesting players, I think, that the the Bucks should sniff around a pair with Giannis. Anyway, number nine in the West, a team I think will be better than they're being given credit for, but they're also very boring, so no one probably bets on them anyway. The San Antonio Spurs at 43.5 uh, over under. Give me the over. I think they basically didn't have Kawhi Leonard. They had the most strife that has been in San Antonio in decades, literally, uh, probably since Tony Parker was acting mischievously. I'll leave it at that. Um, and I guess he kind of was this year too. Obviously, it sucks that they lost Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that whole situation is weird. I hope someday there'll be uh, a really a, a deep dive with a bunch of reporting years from now that explains that situation more. But I'm high on DeMar DeRozan. Uh, people don't like him. He doesn't do things well that are really important in the league these days, namely three-point shooting and, and defense. I think he'll look better at both of those things in San Antonio. And I also think like Pop's going to do some really fun stuff with him and LaMarcus and pretty much surround those guys with really good defenders. Uh, the Pau Gasol contract still stinks, and I'm so mad at them for signing that because they were my sneaky LeBron destination like three years ago. But they, they always figure it out. They're always a great defense. They're going to do that again. I just – I'm not ready to jump ship on the Spurs yet. I think they're going to crank out wins in the regular season. Over. Definite over. I think the, the most under-discussed element, and there's not a lot that really is under-discussed from the Kawhi trade, um, everyone has talked about it non-stop. I think this Earl. might be my first time ever talking about it. You didn't talk about it on Winning Six? No. I, not how it changed the East? Uh, maybe. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I think we talked about that when LeBron left, but we haven't really revisited. Does it change the East? We'll, 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 talk, we'll talk about the East, so get yeah, that. Yeah. Um, the thing for the, with the Spurs for me is uh, Dejounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, and Jakob Purtle. That's a fun and interesting young trio, right? So aside from what they're actually going to be this year, the Spurs have now actually moved to this place. Not really, you know, obviously Purtle's the only one that had to come for the Kawhi trade, but they, they're getting close to a place where they start to have two tracks running at once, which is what good teams do. It's what the Spurs famously are best at doing, and people aren't talking about it. This is how they've managed to continue being a playoff team because they never had to bottom out. I mean, they're in a place now where if they did bottom out at some point, I think those three guys could be really good. And if they were to find a star and pair with them, all of a sudden you're like, wow, look at this young Spurs team. 
which just sounds crazy to talk about a young Spurs team when most of the players will dedicate our attention to throughout the season are far from young. So I think that's one interesting thing, and I'd expect all three of those guys to kind of, obviously Walker's a rookie, but the other two to develop, to improve, to come on, to take on bigger roles, and not to be something interesting for the future. And meanwhile, they're the same Spurs as last year, except they now have Tamar DeRozan, so they're going to be better. I mean, he's not my favorite player uh, by any means, much like LaMarcus Aldridge isn't, but they will make it work. And they will be good. They are experienced veteran players who know how to do their particular job. Um, I guess at this point we're all assuming Manu's back, right? Because I mean that's that is so key here um, to what I think of the Spurs. In spite of him being forty-one years old, he is still that good when he comes down and bursts, and he can still just do incredible things. That would be kind of a big deal for me if he all of a sudden decided he wasn't, but. I think they're going to have this really kind of experienced roster who will grind teams to death. I know this has been discussed in large part that there's less teams for them to feast on. Yeah. They will feast on better teams. They will feast on better teams who will have lapses in concentration, who will feel tired and be like, oh, this is our night off. The Spurs will just go 82 games and they'll pick up wins that they shouldn't necessarily pick up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the over. I... I don't think they're a really, really good team who are going to surprise people and go deep into the playoffs. They're looking at a first-round exit, but they're going to be in the playoffs again, and they're going to be really tough to beat on any given night. Yeah, like a team like the Nuggets or the the Wolves who have weaknesses. like the Nuggets, Spurs, Wolves, Pelicans, Blazers. Yeah. Like They're all, I guess you could say they're better because their talent is younger. There's, I guess there's better ways you could see it fitting. They could all like routinely lose to the Spurs every time they play. Yeah, that's the thing the Spurs do that is really good and not talked about that much is they capitalize on undervalued players in the in the NBA marketplace, so to speak. So for a long time, that was like guys from Europe, generally, you know, guys who could shoot, generally. And now the rest of the league has caught on to these things. The Spurs have moved on to the new undervalued assets, which are players who score unconventionally or I shouldn't say unconventionally but you know who don't shoot threes and still score like LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan and the thing is like those players are still very like those two in particular are still very good they're just not the beautiful offensive vision that you know the old Spurs played with or that the Warriors play with now or the Rockets but you know that the Spurs have always done that they always you know what assets for how good they are, are undervalued by the rest of the league. You know, the rest of the league has pretty much caught up on European players. The rest of the league is caught up on 3 and D guys. You know, now everyone is undervaluing guys like DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, and the Spurs are like, sure, we'll take those guys. Uh, absolutely, we can win games with those. We have pop for who knows how much longer. But um, my last thing on them, I think DeMar DeRozan is going to get MVP votes this season. I don't think he'll win, but I think he'll get some votes. Uh, next up is a team I am all the way out on the Portland Trailblazers, 41 and a half. Give me the under. I think they're, they've hit their ceiling. The playoff sweep at the hands of the Pelicans, who we've discussed, have like four NBA players, was embarrassing. And they're just, they're so annoying this summer. CJ and Dame just constantly, like always weighing in on everything. I know CJ has a podcast and he does media and all this other stuff. I mean, come on my podcast he, if you want to. like CJ. you. I mean, you can't complain about a guy 
<laughs> a guy weighing in every. I mean, he's in the league at least, so he's allowed to do that. Yeah, but it's just like I don't know. I, I bet just, CJ saying, I'm sick of that Ty Windish. I, I, I wish. Always weighing in on stuff. I wish he would say it publicly. Drive some traffic to the old Twitter account, CJ. Uh, we can talk about this on either of our podcasts if you want to. Um, no, but I just like the the Blazers always talk about how they're underrated and, you know, they're, they're slept on. Like, you got swept on. You're not slept on if you got swept on, you know, as a team. Not a young team anymore. Far from it. They're locked into what they have. They don't really have a way to add anyone. They didn't add anyone. I just don't think that they're going to be very good. And I think this could be a season that ends up with a couple of those big trades people have been talking about for years and years and years involving that backcourt. I don't, but I think we're getting to that point. I'll take the over, and I think they'll just scrape over it because those two guys are that good. But I don't, I don't think we'll see more than this season with this iteration of the Blazers. I think this will be the, the last hurrah. Um, yeah, they didn't do a whole lot. I mean, and Fernie Simons could be interesting longer term. He is going to give absolutely nothing this year. Yeah, one of the most raw players in the draft. Um, Seth Curry. I know you've always liked Seth Curry. I think he's massively overrated because of his surname. I, yeah. People people are obsessed with Seth Curry. I was like, okay, let's actually look at what we have here. Someone told me Seth Curry is better than Chris Middleton. I saw, I saw that, but hey, that's just let's ignore that. Shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't give voice to stuff like that, Ty? I can't listen. I know I shouldn't, but when the take is that bad, anyway. Enough on Seth Curry. I, I I don't have a lot of opinions on the Blazers. I think the Blazers are well coached. I think their players are good enough. Like Dame and CJ are still really good, and they're going to win them some games. They're going to have some really great moments. Nurkic is good. Um, I like Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino as role players. They could do about those guys being more consistent. Yeah. They still have They're fine. They're, They're fine. fine. I mean, they lost. I will say Zach Collins is kind of interesting. I don't know what his next step looks like. If he if he ever develops in something more, they were pretty high on him. He's the worst uh, of the second year Collins, and I'm not afraid to say it. Oh yeah, well that's not a take. Um, I I think they will be good when they play Eastern Conference teams, <laughs> and they will struggle against the West. I think they're they're generally a good team but they will be one of the big casualties of the West improving. I think Shabazz Napier is better over a whole season than Seth Curry is, and they didn't really replace Ed Davis. You know, they're going to have to play Zach Collins and Myers Leonard, who was just a train wreck. I mean, their strategy of paying everyone a few years ago was not great. Real, real not great. They should play Caleb Swanigan. I like Caleb Swanigan irrationally, maybe. Uh, yeah, Biggie is play. fun to watch. So. I watched him play in Oshkosh, and it was fun. He is freaking massive. He is so big. <laughs> That's why they call him Biggie. Um, 11th in the West, the Clippers at 35 and a half. I'll take the over. I think they're going to try to win games. They're, they're doing the thing where they want to develop their young guys. and They'll play their young guys a bit, but they also want to win games. I think they have the talent to win some games. Like Tobias Harris is good uh, when he plays, and I wrote about this recently, uh, Gallinari is good. You know, they, they, they lost DeAndre Jordan, which I don't think they ever really intended on giving him that big deal. Jerry West is pseudo at the helm here and he's tremendous and they're going to do some fun stuff with that. Like, I think they're, they, they're going to play pretty modern. They're going to be, 
they're going to be better than people think. I don't know if they end up making the playoffs. They were close this past season, even with a bunch of injuries. Uh, the Gortat trade was kind of weird, but I, I like I like the Clippers. I think they're going to try to be good. I think they're going to make a run at some stars next summer and say, look, we have you know cap space and good players, and we also are the other LA team. I don't know if they get those guys, but we'll see. I think they'll try to be good. I don't think they will be. I'll take the under. I I didn't like the Clippers last year. Everyone was really well, not everyone. There are a lot of people. Maybe people I spoke to. Uh, my win and six co-host Jordan Tresky was high in the Clippers going into last season, and it completely just flummoxed me. I thought their whole roster construction was weird. I mean, it's a roster where you can look and you're like, oh wow, there's like 15 okay players. There's like 15 players that you know I like. A lot of them as the 10th to 12th man on most teams. They're solid. They won't get blown out night to night. I just don't think they'll win games. I don't think they have enough. Tobias Harris has come off a career year. Can he repeat that? Can he repeat that from three? I'm not sure. Beyond that, I don't know. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was a really nice addition. I think he's going to be great. I don't like Jerome Robinson. And what way they dish up responsibilities between them. What kind of minutes they get remains to be seen. What does Avery Bradley look like? I mean, I, I yeah, I'm I'm taking the under. I think there's going to be a really significant drop-off from the teams you've talked about already who will at least be in a position where they're in playoff range to everyone else. And I think that starts with the Clippers. They may be the best of those teams, but it will start with the Clippers for me. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the that's the point, I think. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Clippers had a better record than the Blazers when all is said and done. There's a hot take. Put it put it on the board. I like I like what the Clippers have. And I think Doc is better now that he's not a GM. He's just a coach. I mean, they I don't I think they're gonna have more talent at their hands than they did last season. And they were decent last season. Number twelve, the Dallas Mavericks, thirty-four and a half. This one's tough. I really like Doncic. I like that they added DeAndre Jordan, but like the teams have to be bad in the West. They just have to. And, you know, Doncic is going to be in his first year, still acclimating the league. I mean, if he comes guns blazing and is good right away, like we've seen some rookies do recently, I think they'll be over. And I'm really high on him, but I'm going to take the under in, in, in large part because of the next team here, who I think is being underrated. I'm thinking the over. Um, they're better than the Clippers. It's not a question for me. Better we'll coach, better top-end players. The Clippers may have more better depth. Uh, depth doesn't matter when you're just not good enough, though. And I think the Mavericks have more players who are good enough to make them interest, to keep them afloat. Are they um, 11 wins better? Well, I mean, that depends on what you have the Clippers on, what I have the Clippers on. I took no. the under. Oh, I'm saying not than not the Clippers. I'm saying than last season. They won 24 games last year. Yeah, why not? They they added Luka Doncic, Euroleague MVP, um, who I fully believe will hit the ground running. They added DeAndre Jordan, and they already have like Harrison Barnes is good, right? Yeah, and yeah. with good players, he'll be better. Dirk can still do things. Dennis Smith Jr. is good and should get better. Uh, Ryan Brokoff is a brilliant acquisition i think brian brokoff is gonna open a lot of people's eyes his shooting numbers throughout his whole career across europe um on international duty with the australian national team are just completely crazy how it took so long for him to land in the league is beyond me he could be right up there with the best three-point shooters in the league this season maybe and 
I believe in Rick Carlisle. I generally do. I I think the Mavs will be kind of good. They're not going to make the playoffs just because, you know, that's the West. They can't. There are other years, though, where this group could have pulled themselves pretty close to the playoff in my mind. Next up, I see what you're saying, but I disagree. Next up is the Memphis Grizzlies at also 34 and a half. I'm going to say, hmm, I'm going to say under. I mean, I, I like what they've done. I like Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought this was your uh, team that's been overlooked. They are. I think they'll be, I think they'll be all right. But I mean, this is a team that won 22 games last season. And I think the year over year thing is a good way to look at things. And people look back and go, well, they basically didn't have Gasol and Conley all year. And they didn't have Conley, really. But Marc Gasol played 73 games last season, and they won 22. I mean, I just wonder, those guys are both over 30 now. I, I don't know. I don't know where the talent is besides those two. I mean, again, this is a team that's never really been able to add anyone. And they lost Tyreek Evans which I think is going to be really important because that was like the other guy who could score and they didn't really replace him with anyone else who I look at and go, he can get them a bucket if they need it. They have to rely on all these weird young guys. They're the Omri Caspi redemption tour. I like Omri Caspi. I, he couldn't play. He couldn't do anything last season. He was useless on the Warriors, which you would think is like the easiest team to, if you're a guy who can shoot, but he, he just, he kept trying to drive and it just didn't work. I like Jaron Jackson Jr. I think they're going to be better than they were last season, but I think they're going to have like low 30s wins. I don't think they're going to get up to 35. Not not in this West. Not in this economy. Uh, their roster is very Spursy, as in current Spursy. Um, like guys like obviously Kyle Anderson, but you've got Garrett Temple, Shelvin Mack. Uh, these feel like players who could Omri Caspi even they could just be on the Spurs now, and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay maybe an interesting over 30 player that makes sense um marcus all is nearly 34 mike conley like injuries are such a major issue there that it's hard to overlook that uh kyle anderson was a big overpay to me i'm not i'm not in on slow-mo i'm not a fan here i mean you could put a spursy roster together i don't think they have a lamarcus aldridge tomorrow to rosen because i think Injuries and age are hitting Bo Conley and Gasol pretty hard. Um, more importantly, they don't have Greg Popovich. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why JB Bickerstaff was given that job full time. I don't know what they saw in that. He's clearly someone who's highly thought of and well liked. That's fine if you commit to a rebuild. They didn't, and their roster is just weird. I like Jaron Jackson Jr., but what minutes is he going to get? What's he going to be allowed to do? I'm not really in on the Grizzlies at all. I'm going to go under. I don't think they'll be well under that. Um, I think they're going to win like 30 games. I changed my mind on the Grizzlies as I was looking at their roster and as we were talking. It's not good. It's not no. good at all. I mean, their best players are just really clearly in decline. Well, and again, like they had Gasol for basically all season and they won 22 games. Like is Mike Conley playing more? If he does play more worth 13 wins in this West, I don't think he's that kind of player. I don't think there's many players who are that kind of player who can add that many wins. And they didn't really add anything else. I mean, and again, I think losing Tyreek Evans is going to stink for them because now they, they should have traded Marcus all. Oh yeah. Much like they should have traded Tyreek Evans last year. Like that was yeah. just r- ridiculous. I mean, but if you're not going to keep the guy, I don't know. The why. whole, fi- the whole Fisdale Gasol thing, like 
I know what Gasol has meant to the people of Memphis, what Memphis has meant to him, but he was frustrated and understandably so at what the team has become. And I don't think that frustration and maybe resentment is going to go away because he's now looking, he's like, oh, great, this has been my career. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. There were a couple of good years or it was really good. And, you know, we nearly got through and upset all the odds, but we didn't. And then, you know, I had to carry this. Like at 34, I don't think he's into it. I really don't think he's into it. Um, if Mike Conley is healthy and himself all season, well, wow, that would change things. He's also 30 years old now, you know, and with that injury baggage, it's not good. It's not good to me. No. Phoenix Suns, 28.5. Under, I think they're going to be fun. I don't think they're going to be very good. They're going to play a lot of young guys. Ariza will help, but I mean, he's not going to make them into a good defense by himself. I'm middle of the road on Aiton. Some people think he's like Shaq. Some people think he's just terrible because he's not, you know, a, a wing who can shoot. Basically, I think he's going to be pretty good, but they don't have any way to defend anyone. They still don't have a point guard. I just not like, true. Who do they have now? Oh, maybe. They have a point guard. He might be good in he's two a point years. guard. That's Wait, a point guard. He plays um, the point guard position. No, he's, he's a point guard. I mean, no, I know. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just, they don't have a point guard who's going to win them games in the West. Not this season, no, but they're, oh, they yeah, don't that's, have that's any. That's what we're talking about. They don't have any player on their team who's going to win the games in the West this season. No, like, exactly. So I, I don't think that's the conversation. Like, they're the under. They'll be. Maybe fun, maybe good. I don't. Maybe they, maybe they could get the over. Like, I think they've made a pretty significant coaching upgrade, and that matters. Their draft was great. I don't think Aiton needs to be as great as the high end of expectations because I, I also like Mikhail Bridges. I really like Eliakobo. You add that to Devin Booker, obviously Josh Jackson, if he can be something, which I don't know. I don't know what he is, what he can be still. Um, can Marcus Chris, Marquis Chris be something? I don't, I don't know, but there's enough there still that's still young and interesting. And I think they have a real coach now and someone who can make them better. That, yeah, they should be fun, they should be interesting, but they should very much be building. Like, Ariza, I guess, makes sense in some ways, but I'd have just kept Jared Dudley, you know, because what's what's Ariza's purpose? Do they really think they're going to make the playoffs or getting that mix? Is that. They, I mean, he's got to just be a veteran leadership guy. I mean, if it's just on. veteran leadership, why didn't they just keep Dudley, who's about as good at that as anyone in the league? It's weird. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think they'll be fun. I think watching Suns games would be pretty fun, but they're not going to be good. So no, no, give me the give me that. Under. I think they're going to be bad. I think they're going to be very bad. Under, not play a whole lot. I wouldn't say, but under. Yeah, they'll probably win like twenty five. I mean, these guys have to learn how to play NBA basketball. There's just there's a period where it takes to acclimate and. A lot of their guys just need to do that. They, I'd like their draft too. They're going to be good eventually, probably, maybe, but not this year. 15th in the West, the Sacramento Kings, 25.5. It's just like they won 27 last year, maybe. I don't think they got better. I think Garrett Temple was actually pretty big for them, but their young guys might get better. Cauley Stein, Bogdanovich, Fox. Harry Giles is the is – the- yeah, he's gonna play. I mean, all all indications are he looks good, and he is a he is a great prospect. He is a legitimately great prospect. If it wasn't for the injuries, you know, I mean, I think it's easy to forget about him. I think most people have, but he could 
just completely transform their prospects this year. Other than that, I mean, like they made they made a mess of draft night. Let's be real. I think Bagley will be fine. Bagley will score. Bagley will also probably fit into a discussion like the one we had about Andrew Wiggins earlier. Yeah. Though, at some point, you know, I think that's what his career is likely going to play out like. And they're the Kings, so we'll probably play him at like the three. Yeah, it's not gonna be good. I don't know what Dave Yeager's doing there either. I don't know, like, if he's I don't a know if Dave Yeager knows what Dave Yeager's doing there. Right, but I, I just don't know what the plan is. Being the Kings, there probably isn't a plan. So, I mean, in a conference where there has to be bad teams, yeah, they seem like a lock to be, you know, about as bad as can be. So I'd take the under on them. I'll take the under two. I could see them. I could see them winning like what they did last year, twenty-seven, and being over. This is again one I would not think about touching, but yeah, I think they're going to be pretty bad. Let's hop to the East. We have eighteen minutes to do the Eastern Conference after we spent about oh, ninety. I'll give you some more. I'll give you some more. Oh, the generous Adam McGee has allowed me more time before he watches the traitorous Riyad Riyad Mahrez and Man City. Uh, let's not talk Premier League. It's too sad for me. Number one. Boston Celtics, 57.5. I'll take the over. I think they're going to be really good. And I think a lot of the East isn't. There's like six teams in the East I think are worthwhile, and the rest are just kind of bleh. Um, and like that lineup, they can march out of Kyrie, Hayward, uh, Brown, or Tatum, Brown, Al Horford. Like there's no one, no other team in the East, maybe the Raptors, have anything that can keep up with that five-man group. And it's just like, it's Warriors asking how difficult I think it's going to be to stop, and they it have. Might, it might be better. It's I don't think it's better in personnel, but I I think that lineup, if everyone was healthy and they could get a real run at it, the things it could do could really challenge the Warriors. Yeah, I, I just think yeah. it would give them such a different look. It would show a team that can do some of the things they do brilliantly as well as them, and maybe some things that they don't do or don't think about better. I I don't know. I think that's. That's a really interesting. This, this, this is the over. I mean, it's very yeah, clearly it's the over. Good. It's everything. It's personnel. It's coaching. Best coach um, in the league, probably at this point. I'm trying to think what's what kind of pl- over 60 win totals that we had in the East recently. I can't think of a whole. Well, the last one to touch 60 was the Hawks, wasn't it? Did the Cavs ever really? win 60 with LeBron? I think the, Cavs, the Cavs must have won 60 once. I, I mean, I'm checking right now. I mean, they never. No, they never won sixty since twenty ten. Wow! So Hawks are the last team to win sixty in in the East. That's gonna fall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think it could fall comfortably. Yeah, I think they. I, I think, think they're gonna be mid sixties. I think it's gonna right. Celtics could win sixty five games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's even if they lose, even if one guy is banged up, they still are gonna be so 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 good. Um. Yeah, I think they're they're clearly the best team in the conference, and I agree. I think they actually have a unit that could push the Warriors. I mean. You look at the wing depth, no one, I don't think, has better wings than the Celtics. They have a scoring guard who can has proven that he can give the the Warriors problems and did so mightily in 2016. And Al Horford is great, and he's going to get old eventually. I don't think he's going to be noticeably too old to be really good this season yet. And even when he, even if he loses another half step or so, like he's so cerebral that he'll help them anyway. I mean, they're... They're far and like the if you break down the East in the brackets, they're number one. I don't think it's that close. Number two is the Philadelphia 76ers at 54.5. I'm a Sixers skeptic this year. And that's not that's a popular viewpoint. A lot of people are six Sixers skeptics this year, at least from what I see. I just like they won 52 last season. And I feel like looking back, it kind of looks like a reach. 
Ben Simmons, really good. Joel Embiid, really, really good. But do they get 63 games out of Embiid this season? Like, that's their biggest thing. Like, um, I like Simmons. Their franchise is Embiid. Like, if Embiid doesn't play, I don't think they're going to be good. Uh, even with Simmons there and whatever else. I mean, Fultz is the real question mark, right? Like, do they do they get things out of Fultz this season? Can Fultz play? They don't have a GM still. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. They kind of pissed it's off. It's not now. It's, it's really not now. It, it was. I mean, it is because look at last season, their playoff push happened when they added Ilyasova and Bellinelli. Right. But So it could be it could be a big deal in January, February, but it's not yeah. now. Like, I mean, they've really, they've come true for better or worse. They've come true the the main section where they may have needed that. And now it's like, it's about Brett Brown's other job. It doesn't mean they won't need that again. And it doesn't mean they won't have that resolved at that point, but I don't think it matters right now. Maybe like, I like Wilson Chandler, but I don't know. This is a tough one. This is, I, I don't like this over under at all. I'm going to say, I'm going to say over though. No, I'm going to say under, I'm going to say under, I can't see this team winning 56 games or 55 games. That feels like a lot. And the East is bad, but like, if, if Embiid plays 70 games, maybe they're over, but I'm going to rest comfortably in. They need a lot of things to go right to be over, and usually you don't get everything to go right in one season. I'm going under, but I'd consider myself to be a Sixers optimist compared to everyone else. I don't see all the calls for doom and gloom. I don't think everything is like overblown. They overperformed so much last year. Um, it's not just, It's not really just about Embiid. It's not about Embiid at all. I think you could take him out of that conversation. It's more of a general thing of because it could be equally be Simmons or it could be Fultz um, it's it's already Jair Smith and he hasn't had a chance to do anything they just injuries are just such a big thing for this team that any number of players at any time could come down with it and Simmons if if Simmons got injured again that would be as big to them I really think so as Embiid because what dude how do they play what does their style of play look like without him now it was fine two years ago um when you were like you know still in the midst of the process, really. That process has been accelerated. You've come out the other side. You're a 50-plus win team in the NBA. How do you then function without him? I don't think they could. I'm going to go under because some injury is going to come up at some point, but I, I think they're really good. I think in the playoffs, they are really, really good and capable of pushing any team in the East. Like, they could win the East. I don't think they will, but they could win the East, and I don't think it should be, oh, they're overrated. You know, all these things could go wrong. They've lost Ursan. They've lost Bellinelli. They might get caught over, yeah, according to reports. That would be a pretty big deal. I think they're really good, but injuries may stop them from getting above, like, 54.5, being a 55-win team. That's a big deal, and for a young team, that's a big deal. I don't think they'll get that, but I think they'll get over 50 and be a team no one wants to play in the playoffs. Yeah, fair. I think the Celtics are still demonstrably better, but the Sixers will be good. Toronto Raptors, same over and under, 54.5. I say easy under. I mean, I know they won 59 last season. They added, quote-unquote, Kawhi Leonard to that, but I think last season was like an absolute peak for that unit. I don't think that unit would win you know, that many games every single year. Like I just think everything clicked on the new style. They have a new coach now who – the thing – the interesting thing with the Raptors is so they fired some some assistants, I think, and then obviously Dwayne Casey. The assistant they got rid of and Dwayne Casey were the guys who did that defense. And the defense was like as good as their offense was last season. Now well, they, those, they didn't those fire. Guys, 
you're talking about Rex Kalamian, who went yeah. to Oh, he just left. Like he just well, he interviewed for the head coaching job. It went to Nick Nurse. So oh, then know, he left. Well, he yeah. went. Okay, there's they, no. They lost those two guys. Right. And those those guys were the architects of their defense. I don't think their defense is going to be as good this season. Um, Kyle Lowry might be kind of pissed off. You know, like I don't think there's a more well documented friendship in the NBA than Kyle Does Lowry and Demar Derozan. I, I, I mean, think if, if he gets out of there, it is it does. But I mean, like. Uh, my larger question. I'm on the under on this. I'm very Raptor skeptical. I was last year too, I'll be honest. Um, I generally am. I, I look at this roster and I'm not impressed. And I'm really blown away by some of the projections that very smart people see for this team. Because it relies on a lot of young players who outperformed what was previously expected of them. I'm not saying they they did something unsustainable, but they have to prove it's sustainable first. Which, that's this year. They have to prove that. Beyond that, Kyle Lowry is 33 years old, um, has a long injury history going back to early in his career, and we don't know how quick and how sudden he may fall off at some point. Sergi Baca? I mean... Probably the best big man on the roster? I don't want to get into the age elements there, but he looks like a guy who is aging. Yeah, um, his, his game is not exactly where I'd want it to be in an elite sense. I don't know. They've got the really interesting young bench pieces, but unless some of them really kind of go even beyond that, go beyond where they were last year, I think there's a jump that everyone's seeing for them that I'm struggling to see. Kawhi Leonard is amazing. He's a great player. He's also had an injury that, if we're to take him at his word, he has felt really not like himself for a long, long time now. Um what if that continues? What if he comes back, he's healthy, and the injury becomes a factor again? Yeah. What if, as much as he showed up and he gave a very painful and terrifying-looking smile for a photo, <laughs> what if he's really not that into it and he's not as engaged as he was at his prime? Like Everything that we all thought about Kawhi Leonard has to be reassessed. We know what Kawhi Leonard was, and until he proves that he can be that again, I think there has to be an element of you know reservation about it. You, you, we can't what if, just what if Uncle he's... Dennis doesn't like maple syrup? There's a lot of questions that affect... I'm not, I'm not here to say. Uncle Dennis is like Lonzo to me, which... That is insane. The fact that there's a Kawhi Leonard-related person, you could say, or I should have said LaFar there, um, Yeah, that you can compare that to is just beyond belief. Imagine telling us that like 18 months ago. But I don't know. I think he's great. He was great. Whether he still is, whether his injury... Like the the biggest thing with all of this is because the the whole thing played out so weird. Everyone kind of somewhat went, yeah, the injury wasn't real at all, though. But what if it was? It, it was <laughs> clearly somewhat real. I think I think it was probably real, and things broke down as well. Like I think both things are true, and it's easy to be like, oh, he's found a new team, he's gonna play because he just didn't want to play. Everything's fine, and then he could play, and it may not be. And Danny Green too is also. I like Danny Green a lot, have for a long time. He's also now in a point in his career where he looks like he's about to decline. Yeah, and he has been quietly declining. I, I'm not entirely sure. Nick Nurse looks like a great coach, but the things that I think you would peg as his biggest strengths, we saw last year. Like He's the guy who overhauled the offense to be that. Now, we don't know what his defense could look like. I take your point on that. His defense could be better than the Raptors' defense was before. But, again, he has to prove that. There's a lot that has to be kind of proven to me that I can't just buy into the Raptors as they are. 
they may a couple of weeks into the season look absolutely unbelievable to which point i'll be like okay the raptors are the best team in the east they've got to show it though i mean on paper i don't see how you can look at their roster and look at the sixers look at the celtics even there i say look at the books and be like this this is a team that's just you know these teams can't catch they can't compete with this group it's not like that at all to me one last Raptors note, Nick Nurse's offense is very free-flowing. That's not the kind of player Kawhi Leonard is offensively. I mean, he's it's not what he did in San Antonio. I mean, it was it was iso ball. It was Russell Westbrook-esque. I mean, obviously better efficiently in efficiency, and uh, Kawhi can play defense. But, you know, it wasn't like a, a beautiful game Spurs team when Kawhi was at his apex and, and got MVP votes. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits into that and, and how they how they react there. Uh, next up is the Pacers, forty seven point five. A lot of people are really high in the Pacers. I think they had an okay offseason. I think they gained some stuff and they lost some stuff. But they won forty eight last season, and I think the bottom, like the East, is generally worse. I mean, like the good teams got better, but like the Celtics and Raptors were already good. And like we said, maybe the Raptors might be worse. I'll, I'll take the over just because I don't, I don't think they're going to be noticeably worse. I don't think it was just a complete flash in the pan season in Indiana. Uh, I wrote this recently. Oladipo does have to prove that he's really that good. I mean, he had one great year. That happens. Let's see if he strings together more. But, I mean, they're a veteran team. Tyreek Evans will help them. He'll, he'll be another guy who can score, which is is big. And, is, you know, in, in the, you know, 3 and D obsessed league, it seems like there's a little less emphasis on that. But those guys are still important. And – yeah, I mean, I just think I – don't, I don't think they're going to fall off. Miles Turner was banged up. If he's healthy, he'll be, that'll, that'll help them. And I just – I think they can get up to around 50. I agree. They got better in a conference that got worse. I think it's that simple. Yeah. Like, um, they may have overperformed last year, but I think the combination of moves they've made and the way the rest of the East has changed means that – we may not ever learn that. Like they may have overachieved and yet still do better this year. And it won't just be a, oh yeah, they were that good and they progressed year on year. It's like enough has changed in the East that there's room for them to take a major jump this year and do so kind of very much deservedly. I'm not crazy on the contracts they necessarily gave out, particularly Doug McDermott. I don't love their offseason. Um, that's more of a long-term problem for them, though. I think in the terms of what they're getting and are they better this year than they were last year the answer is yes are they in a place where there's like a a clear view to them building on that i'm really becoming a contender i think the answer to that would be no and that would bother me if i was a pacers fan but did they make moves that made the team better yeah and you know what the east is open enough that maybe everything clicks into place for you and you could become a contender at least get to conference finals finals who knows but yeah i, I think over i'd I'd probably pencil the pace in for around 50 wins. Yeah, I mean, if Miles Turner becomes uh, a kind of star big guy, then all of a sudden, they're right up there. This one should be fun. The Milwaukee Bucks pegged fifth in the East, 46 and a half wins. We've followed, covered the Bucks for years. I think generally both of us are kind of Bucks realists with a slight pessimistic view just because that's what the Bucks do to you. I'd say I have an optimistic view. Maybe in your in your opinion, maybe you have an optimistic. No, I, view. I think I do. I think I'm I'm a realist, but when it comes down to 
whenever it comes down to I always tend to slant in a way that's a little bit more positive. And I think that's definitely the case this year. Yeah, over. Easy over. I mean it's one of the easiest overs in the league, and I don't the Budenholzer difference. I don't feel there's any bias in that. The Budenholzer difference, and also um they've improved their roster significantly. And Jabari Parker is gone. There may be a lot of people who think that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. The the situation was beyond untenable. I don't know what he was giving them as much as they were trying to figure out what they do with this talent. It became this thing of, we can't waste this. What way can we make this work? That it was a distraction, really. And he could go on. He could be great in Chicago. I don't think he will be, but he could. And I don't think that's something that could have been replicated easily in Milwaukee. And instead, they've got players who don't just fit better with their best players this summer in terms of Ursula Sower, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, but they brought in players who much more fit the philosophy of the coach they just hired than Jabari Parker did. And that is important. It's very reassuring, honestly, um, because I thought they might go and hire a coach and then be like, no, we can't part with Jabari and bring back a player who wouldn't have fit with Bud at all. They haven't done that. And Everything about this to me suggests they're fully prepared to buy in all the way to what a Mike Budenholzer team has been in the NBA to try and be a team like that. But on this occasion, that you're going to have a Bud-led team that also has a player better than any player he's ever coached as head coach. And that's Giannis. So I think it's over. I think it's a pretty easy over. The books are going to be right around 50 wins. I wrote about this uh, today as we record this. I I do think there will be an adjustment period. But that adjustment period will see the books be be able to play at the same level they did last year and in the playoffs, but do so in a more, more coherent system. So even in the adjustment period, I'd expect them to be better. And then I think there's a real chance as the season goes on, they can kind of buy in or have things start to click for them in terms of how... Bud wants them to play, and as much as it's how Bud wants them to play, it's kind of shaking loose four or five years worth of bad habits, and they can become a team that are really, really terrifying for other teams these, but until the playoffs comes around. So yeah. I, I don't know if the books will hit the ground running. I think they'll be good like they were last year to even better than that, and that's basically just on their talent alone. And as they spend more time with Bud, as they get more reps in on the way he wants it to play, I think things could really click. And by the end of the season, they could be a pretty imposing team. I think Eric Budsoe is a little slept on at this point, actually. Uh, yeah. He's obviously was bad in the playoffs, most of the playoffs. But his last like 20 or so games last season were a revelation. And if he can get even close to that again on, under a real coaching staff, he could be better than people think. I don't think he's going to be like a star anymore but i think he could be surprisingly solid i think if this is my last bucks thing if the celtics stumble a bit then i think Giannis might be my mvp favorite because they're going to make a big jump in wins he's already very famous and thought of highly around the league they're gonna i think they're gonna go on some stretch at some point of games where they where they it does click and they win a bunch and i, I don't think there's that many strong candidates around the league like it's not going to be a warrior because they don't really care about the regular season and there's too many good players on the team. Harden won last season. I think the Rockets are going to be a little worse. Maybe it's him again. Maybe not. I don't think it'll be Russell Paul George. You know, I think 
You look at the other top West teams, like Mitchell's still really young. I don't think he's that good to be MVP quite yet. I think Giannis this season might have a pretty good shot at it. Uh, it's not going to be LeBron on the Lakers. Uh, I think LeBron is like not eligible for MVP votes, and he doesn't really get them anymore, which is kind of weird. But, yeah, I think Giannis is going to have a good shot at winning that, especially if the Celtics aren't otherworldly good, which they might be. Yeah, I don't think it depends on anything else. Giannis is my MVP pick this year. Like, yeah. I, there's, there's no other consideration. The Celtics will be really good, and they will have lots of players who will deserve their fair share of credit for that. Giannis, Giannis is my MVP pick because he will get a lot of the credit in when it comes to voting that may be owed to Mike Budenholzer even because he will be the frontline guy. He will be the guy that everyone can point to. Um, I, I, just the Bledsoe thing to finish up on. Yep. I don't agree with you on Bledsoe and I think this is a season that will tell us a lot about him. I bought all the way in at points last season and you're right, he finished the season great in the regular season. But I, I think coming into this year, the question you've got to ask is, well, which Bledsoe is more like Eric Bledsoe? And when you look at his career, which one is more representative of what he's got out of his career? And to me, it's the guy who got caught up in a weird side game with Terry Rozier and got cooked repeatedly because his mind was on all the wrong things. Maybe it's not entirely who he is and not his fault, but it's a product of the teams he's been a part of throughout his career. I, I'm pretty much out on Bledsoe. I don't think he. It, I don't think it means he won't have a good season. Um, I think he'll be a lot more peripheral though, and should be because he's not a part of this team's future. Like there's, there is no way, there is no reason why they should be looking to bring him back next summer. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, some of it. The last part. Wizards number six, forty-four and a half. <sighs> like the East is really bad. And the Wizards got better, maybe? Austin they did. Rivers? Well, they got better. Dwight Howard? They got better relative to the competition anyway. We know that yeah. much. But, like, is there not a chance that they just completely fireball implode? Like, there's yeah. a chance that, that happens. Like, better, better chance than ever because uh, any of the tensions that have been there with John Wall and with other guys, um, if the tensions exist, Dwight Howard will do a really good job of bringing them to the surface. Yeah, so, Austin Rivers is not exactly a guy who people have always gotten along with. I think that might be easier when the coach isn't his dad, but we'll we'll yeah, find out. That's that's true. Um, they're combustible because can like John Wall and Bradley Beal both have injury problems pretty regularly, and if that happens, then what are they without either of those? What is Otto Porter? Is Otto? Yeah, that's that's like, the question. I think Otto Porter might be really, really, really good. Like much better than we're seeing with the Wizards. But their whole thing is so weird that we're not getting the chance to see that, and they're not getting the most out of him. I don't. I don't know. I, I actually don't. I think this is an interesting one. I think they should be an over, but they may end up an under, and that's not because oh they signed Dwight and that's you know instantly a bad thing. I just think. Injuries will be a factor. They always are for the Wizards. And I don't know if they can afford them. I, Yeah, there's something weird about the Wizards. Something a little bit off. And it goes more than, hey, they just signed Dwight Howard. Because, you know, Dwight can do some things pretty well still. He doesn't get credit for the things he does well at this he's point. Double-double guy last season. Right. He's become a laughing stock, so it's easy for people to just overlook the good things he can bring you. This wouldn't be the locker room I would have brought him into. I have... No. I have enjoyed 
making fun of the Wizards for years for just how mentally fragile they are. Like, they are the most mentally fragile team in the NBA. It's not close. They have been for a long time. They've now got Dwight Howard. You know what? I'm going to take the under. Yeah, give me the under. Give me the what are the what, what's the over under on number of times John Wall, Kelly Ube Jr., and Dwight Howard fight or almost fight? Because I'll probably take the over on that. But give me the under on their win totals, um, which is tough because it's not it's not very high. I mean, forty four and a half. But I just think there's going to be a gulf between the top five teams in the East and the rest of the East. And I think it's like where you said the Clippers are that different team. I think the Wizards are that here. I think they're. I don't think they can really keep up with the top five teams in the East. I think the the chasm between the top five teams in the East and everyone else is going to be so severe. Yeah. Like, one, of, one of these other teams might sneak close to it, but I don't think they're going to be truly I don't think good. so. I, I think those top five teams, like there is a chance they could all be 50 win teams. Yeah. I mean, if the, if the rest of the East wins like, like 20 of- each. Really, all of the East wins may be split between those five teams. Um, I, I think there could be a major, major drop-off beyond them. Yeah, I agree. Number seven, the the last team in the East to have an over-under of more than 30-some wins is the Miami Heat at 41 and a half. This one is, again, it's like I don't like them, but like they're going to probably beat some of these bad teams. They have a better coach than – I think anyone below them yeah without without thinking about it too hard i think they they do um they won 44 last season i think bam out of bio is good josh richardson is good mm-hmm. Dragic is getting old but and they i think they kind of hate this on white side which is a little weird maybe they'll finally move on from him i think they've been trying to i don't i, I don't think know if makes it Adebayo makes it easy to hate Hassan Whiteside. I think that's why that's come to a head because yeah, he's just so much better and also not very annoying and overpaid uh, all this to say, I'll, I'll take the over. I think not by a lot, but I think like they're gonna pound like the Nets and the Magic, etc. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of them at all. I have no idea what they think they're doing with the roster. Even it's just so bizarre. It has been for two years now, um, but it will be the over. They've got a good coach. They have got enough good players. Um, their roster, I guess, is in some ways a little Clippers esque. Yeah, just a bunch of guys who you're like, yeah, which, I would I would like him on my team as the ninth guy. Yeah, which in the East that makes you really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that makes you a playoff team. So, yeah, they'll probably be fine and be pretty good and just over that. Pretty good in a very relative sense. It'll but, be interesting to see uh, what they can do with Justice Winslow this year. I heard yeah. he might play some point guard, which is interesting. That's one word for it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think they'll be okay. They'll be they'll be the Heat again. They'll probably lose in the first round because they don't have any stars. Uh, and it's like Dragic just keeps getting older, which is how life works. But he's very important to them, and we'll see what happens if if he takes a decline. I could see them being under, but I don't think it's going to happen quite yet. But he did play a lot of games last year for for Goran Dragic. Anyway, the Detroit Pistons, thirty-seven and a half I mean, over. Yeah, I, I think it is too. We just got to, we just got done talking about how there's going to be like 20 wins across the rest of the conference, but they have talent and they have a, a new coach over there now who I think is good and they're going to be better defensively than they've been in a long time. And, uh, you know, like I don't love Blake Griffin. I don't love Andre Drummond, but like those two combined and Reggie Jackson's going to play like 20 games or whatever. No, he'll probably play like 60 games. But like those three players, that, that nucleus alone makes them like miles better than the rest of the East below them, I think. 
yeah, you don't have to like those players. You can't deny they are better than the players most teams the East have to play with. Yeah. So I think they'll be pretty solid. Maybe Dwayne Casey, it, that's an interesting one because we'll learn a lot about how good a coach Dwayne Casey really is. Yeah. Like anyone who doubts and was putting the bulk of the credit onto Nick Nurse and Rex Kalamian, respectively. I mean, okay, now we'll find out. I mean, <laughs> he took Sean Sweeney. So yeah. we'll, we'll find out how good a coach he is. Yeah, it's uh, their, their three guys, their top three guys, Reggie Jackson, Drummond, and Blake Griffin are all good enough to put them in the playoff mix. And there's also some interesting players that maybe they could get some more out of. Glenn Robinson III was a really nice signing. I think he yeah. had a big year. Yeah, I couldn't believe that was what I would have liked the Bucks to grab him for that. I mean, I, I I'm kind of high on him as a player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't love their team, but yeah, like you said, they're just they're better than a lot of the bad teams below them and. They'll, they'll probably win around 40, I would say. Number nine, the Charlotte Hornets, 35 and a half. Just, we talked earlier about the Heat. Don't know what they're doing. What the hell is Charlotte doing? Like, like their whole roster, aside Kemba, is a disaster. It's awful. Like, I don't, like, there's some teams where they have everyone that you'd want on, on your team. I, I don't, there's like three players here who I would want on my hypothetical team and the rest are just kind of like, why, why are these players playing together on this team? And they're probably going to give Frank Kaminsky a big bag just because that's what they do here. But like if Kemba misses any significant time or if they finally trade him, which I think they're too stubborn to do, they're a dumpster fire. He, he played 80 games last season. Kemba Walker did, and they were bad. I'm going to take the under. I don't, I don't think he can play 80 games again and carry them as high as he did. They're bad. I think the under. I mean, everyone loves Kemba Walker. I think everyone is a bit too high on Ken- Kemba Walker. He's certainly not good enough to like prop this roster up. Like this is, it's just weird. It's not good. Their big I, off-season signing was Tony Parker. I mean, I just, I don't know what's going on. Mitch Kupchak. When you hire Mitch Kupchak, you're asking for trouble. They've also got James Rago. Who okay, he had the brief spell uh, as an interim head coach with the Magic, but really this is kind of his first permanent head coaching job. It's hard to know how that one will work out. Yeah, under easy under for me. They're just they're just bad. That's just how it is now. I mean, ugh, yikes. Yeah, it's not not high on the on the Hornets. Next up, another team I'm not high on the Orlando Magic at thirty one and a half. Orlando. Is maybe getting better? Um, they have some young guys that people Why? think are fun. Are I, don't, I don't know. They paid Aaron Gordon, which I think was a terrible decision. I'm this very, is the most egregious over-under of all of the ones we've talked about. Really? At 31 points? Yeah, it is. They won 25 last They're year. They're awful. Under. Have, under. We're going to talk about the Cavs in a minute. The Cavs have Kevin Love and still yeah, like... Yeah, we'll, we'll get players. there. We'll, don't, don't take my stuff. How are the Magic better? Yeah, they're not. They have all their best guys are big guys now. And Aaron they, Gordon. Not, they can't play together. Aaron Gordon is not good, Ty. I know. Listen, I said, we did the oh. 25 under 25 at the Step Back, the site that I primarily write for. Go read it. It's really good that that site is. My stuff is okay. But it's good. My stuff's in the archive. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a great place. Um, but like Aaron Gordon, everyone was getting like sevens out of 10 from the rating at the site. And I gave him like a three or a four based on expectations and what he's going to do for the team. Like now he's, he's no longer underpaid if he ever was like, I just, I don't see the appeal. He he's like a, if, if Blake Griffin was never that like fun and exciting, that's Aaron Gordon to me. 
and one hundred percent hypothetical. Everything's about what he could be, but it's when you actually stop and like, okay, well, what is he? And, yeah, yeah, not a lot. Yeah, he's about to turn twenty three, so he's not like washed or anything. But I just don't think. And again, like where like their best three players or their most interesting three players are him, Bamba, and uh, Simmons. And uh, not Simmons, excuse me, Isaac. There you, Jonathan Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked at the wrong Jonathan. But it's like, are those three guys? Is one of them going to play the three? And they're not going to start Bamba? I don't know. Is Bamba any good? Maybe. I don't really know that either. He's a rookie. You can't rely on him to be good this year. Maybe yeah. he is good, but you can't yeah. rely on him. And if he is good, they'll trade him in three years for someone bad, which is kind of the, the recipe. Yeah, it's under, under. Yeah, like mid twenties, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, did you say under? Yeah, you said oh, under. I said under. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cleveland Cavaliers are next up, 30.5. For me, this one, like if they trade Love, they'll be really, really bad and Corver. But I still, like if they keep Love, and it seems like they might, I mean, they extended him. Like I, I don't see how they're going to not win mid-30s games. Just like Kevin Love is much better than any player. Oh, I skipped one. Whoops. I skipped the Nets at 32 and a half. Let's go back to the Nets real the quick. The Nets have a higher over-under than the Cavs? Yeah. What's going on here? Somehow. People really like the Nets. And I wrote about I this. like the Nets, but I mean I like the Nets, but it's like you like they've added a bunch of guys people generally like, but it's like you'd like them as like your eleventh guy. Like they have like two players who have any business being starters. Maybe maybe not even that, honestly. I don't I don't know if D'Angelo Russell's really all that good. I just like they're gonna be bad. I think I'm gonna say under. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I don't know. Um, I don't think they're good. I mean, under. I what did they win last year? They won twenty eight. I think I they'll improve. They'll get to thirty, but I don't think they're getting to thirty three. So yeah, I'm going under. I just can't believe that Kevin Love is like. The invisible man here. I don't like the Cavs. To me, could could still. I don't think they will, but they could still make the playoffs. I agree with that. I think they could. They could sniff around eight if they keep him. If they trade him, they, I think. I think this relies on people thinking he'll be traded. I mean, if they trade him, I don't think he'd be traded. He'd be traded on that contract, yeah. But I don't think he'd be traded this season, yeah. Unless they get a really good offer and some team gets really desperate. So, which could happen. Um. Yeah. Very, very, very strange. A uh, big over on the Cavs. I mean, if any team can get close to the playoffs from the outside, from like below the Heat and Pistons that we've talked about, that's not even. We did the Heat and Pistons is seven teams, right? Uh no, that's eight. That's eight. Who, who am I missing? So there was this. Okay. I think next to that group then. Is yeah, as the Cavs, if, if if Kevin Love is there and healthy, I I agree. I mean, it's I obviously like I think part of this too is like LeBron. You lose LeBron, that's like probably the twenty wins, which might be accurate, uh, especially with how well and how consistent he was last year. But I think they're gonna be kind of fun in a way. I don't know, we'll see. But yeah, I would say over. I think they're gonna be mid thirties ish. Uh, number thirteen, the Knicks at twenty five and a half. Give me the under. Porzingis isn't healthy. Porzingis won't play at the least, Knicks, uh, at least 20, some of the year. 20 what? 29 and a half. 29 and a half. Okay, I thought you said 25. No. I'm under. They won 29 exactly last year with Porzingis for 48 games. Yeah, I'm pretty confident on the under here. I mean, obviously it depends when Porzingis comes back and there's some talk it may be 
relatively soon, sooner than expected. Don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, under, though, I don't like what else, considering they're definitely going to start the season without him, where are they getting those wins from, even in this Eastern Conference? Yeah, I mean, they're just going to be whew, the the other big men on this team. I mean, it's Cantor, who I think is, is fine, maybe good. And then everyone else who plays the, the five is just a train wreck. Noah, uh, you know, Luke Cornett, who is a, a G League player. Noah Vonley, who's probably a G League player. Mitchell Robinson, who's a rookie. Like, ugh, ugh, without Porzingis there. They're not looking strong. Yeah, give me the under. I mean, they might be close to it. They might just sneak over, but give me the under. Chicago Bulls, 27 and a half. This feels really high to me for them. Like, I think it's an easy under when you factor in the fact that they have one player who can play NBA defense on the roster, probably. Maybe two, Robin Lopez and Chris Dunn. But, like, everyone else is like, ugh. Like, who, who are they going to guard? Like, what team isn't going to pour 120 on the Bulls at least once. I like. I just don't think they can contain anyone, and I don't think they're going to be a great offense either. Like, I don't think they're really like Zach Levine and Jabari Parker are theoretically have high offensive ceilings, but like, they're not going to be scoring like 20 some a game on really great numbers each, not coming off of injuries. No, and neither should they. They'll want the ball for themselves because this isn't a good team, and they'll want to be okay. I want to prove how good I am in this situation. And the reality is, for the Bulls, they may be better, you know, working for touches for Larry Markkinen or oh, yeah. Wendell time. Carter Jr. I'd, like the most interesting part of the Bulls roster is their front court. Yeah, uh, that's but, uh, where that's where their future is. So I don't know why they're doing the other stuff, but yeah, under for me, easy. Um, and like within that, we're not even like we're talking about what they might look like with Zach Levine and Jabari Parker. Um, both those guys also have to get through a season healthy, which you know, very far from a guarantee. So yeah, yeah. they may even be worse than they look on paper. Intriguing team for the front court. I think they could be fun to watch in that sense. But I'm worried those guys aren't really going to have the bad. ball. I'm worried those guys just won't have the ball. Yeah, it's true. You know, I like Chris Dunn. He can't really do stuff offensively very well. He's a really good defender. Uh, when he's not defending, they don't have anyone, I think, who can guard wings or guards, which is maybe a problem. Also, I think... Giannis is going to drop 50 on them at least once this season for uh, reasons. He won't be the only one. <laughs> no, no, he absolutely will not. Um, last team, the Atlanta Hawks, the lowest projected win total in the NBA at 23 and a half. Like, listen, they're going to be bad. Don't get me wrong. They won 24 last season. They got rid of Schroeder, and I don't think either of us like Schroeder, but he probably did add some wins to their total just because he was there and he could score. Um, this one for me, I mean, like Collins, I think will be a little better. I don't think he'll be good enough to make them a worthwhile team. You know, let's see what uh Trey Young can do. He's gonna have the ball in his hands. They added, they added Jeremy Lin, which is, I guess, I think it's more of a mentorship thing than anything. We'll see how if they both end up starting, that'd be pretty weird. But like Jeremy Lin is just not a guy you can rely on to play. I'm not high on Trey Young personally. And I'll I'll take the under. I think they're I think they're gonna be really bad. I think they're trying to be really bad, and I think they're gonna succeed at that. Give me the over, Ty. Give me oh boy. the over. Here we go. Um like they have nothing to kind of bow down to here. They can play whatever lineups they want. And 
We thought they have good young players. Torian Prince. Oh, yeah, I like Torian Prince. Pretty damn good. John Collins, really good. Um, and then with that, you have, okay, well, what is Trey Young going to be? What will he look like in his first season? Um, they got Kevin Herter and Amari Spellman as well, who are both interesting players. Tyler Dorsey's there. Could he become something still? DeAndre Bembry. Like, they have the freedom with young players that they could just... All these guys could make major jumps really quickly compared to what anyone would think because the Hawks don't have to play anyone else. Like, they don't really owe it to themselves, owe it to anyone. And I, I do think their veterans are actually kind of interesting and good. Um, Baysmore, Vince Carter, Lynn, as you mentioned, Dwayne Dedman's back. Miles Plumley. Yeah, I wasn't mentioning him intentionally. <laughs> I think the Hawks could be interesting. And add to all of this, I mean, Lloyd Pierce was the mastermind of the Sixers defense and very highly thought of and seems to fit a profile of coach that you should look to bring in when you have a young team like this. He is a development-style coach. He could make these guys a lot better very quickly. I'm making the over. I'm not saying they're going to be good. They may still be the worst team in the NBA. That could still see them get 24 wins, though, right? Yeah, maybe. I think pretty close to it. I think it'll uh, help them that the middle of the East is so sad. Well, why can't the Hawks beat the Bulls by just being like... They by might having, be better than the Bulls. Having a strategy, having something in place that the Bulls will not necessarily have night to night. Why can't they beat a team who should be much better, but realistically aren't, like the Hornets? Like, I, I think they're going to be very fun to watch, but may also surprise people by not being just like complete bottom feeder. It'll be interesting to see if they sell any of those vets to try to get something for them, which I think I would imagine they would if they got any real offers for like Deadman or Bazemore. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're really just like Trey Young go develop and if he takes like 20 shots a game and misses most of them. Like I think I think they will get better eventually. I just don't I – don't, I'm not as optimistic on the timeline as you are. I just think it's going to take – I mean well. I'm not optimistic. I think they might win 24 games. I don't think that's optimistic. No, not, not the win total. I mean with how fast the guys will improve. I think I think it'll take a little longer for them. But to I think Torian Prince is kind of good and yeah, will be really good in the with the freedom he gets here. And I think John Collins is really, really good and could make a major jump in the second year. Like, I, it's, it's not all on the rookies. I actually, overall, I like their rookies. I would prefer if they had Luka Doncic and not Trey Young, but oh, I like yeah. their rookies. And I think the guys they've drafted in recent years are actually good and with potential to grow. So I, I think there's something better there than people seem to want to realize. And it could kind of eventually, a few years down the line, just sneak up on people that, oh, hey, the Hawks are good again. You know, they are very much going full process in this, but we've seen that can reap rewards. Yeah, I, I, I just, I agree. I think there will be some teams that win less than 20 games. I think they're a good candidate to be one of them. That's the NBA over-unders. Um, if I was going to bet on any, Spurs, Bucks, over. Uh, Celtics over. Uh, as far as the unders, Lakers would be the big one that I would I would go with. I, I don't I don't really like many of the other unders. I think I think Vegas was pretty not very optimistic about a lot of teams this year. Honestly, I can't remember most of the ones I've said now. And by the time I do predictions for win six, I'll probably have changed most of them. <laughs> but I still recommend that everyone listens to everyone I say and goes 
straight to whatever avenue they have to bet and put some money down and thanks me later for all of the money you brought in. Maybe even send him a cut. I'm not opposed to that. You'd hate to see it. Um, quickly, quickly before we go, who's going to win the Premier League this year? It just started play. Um, it's my beloved City. It's, 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 like, it's like who's going to win the NBA championship. It's Man City will win the Premier League. I don't really have a take. I hope not. I hate Man City. That's my least favorite team. Well, they're the best team, Ty, so that's unfortunate for you. I guess. That's that is that's a bummer. I was hoping you'd say that. This is how it works. I mean, I'm I'm not a Manchester City fan. I'm a Manchester United fan. They are the best team. They're gonna win. Um they are considerably better than any team close to them. Considerably better. I they may win by twenty plus points again. Hmm. I don't like it. I don't know. I'm not a fan. I'm not 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 of your prediction. Just of Man City. All right. That was. I wish I hadn't done that. Now I'm just sad. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, we did. I'm not going to publicize that part of the podcast. I'm just going to let it sit there. I'm not going to put that in the description. I don't want to. I don't want to give Man City. Any I think that's good. I think people would be very disappointed if they tuned in for that section. That's what they got. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so still waiting on Leicester to get back to the top in my lifetime. Um, that this was over unders this was fun it went a little long which hasn't happened on timeout with ty in a while i'm sure people will be shocked to see a podcast with you and i on it went long it it was not my fault at all it was entire. you were the host you had control of the timing it's your fault absolutely oh yeah i'll I'll take the blame i'll I'll be the fall guy here i'll be uh i was gonna make a sixers phone scandal reference but i I don't think it's worth it after all you're still you're making it longer all right adam do your plugs (laughs) do your plugs then I don't have plugs. My name's Adam McGee. I, plugs. I, I write things sometimes. Uh, read Behind the Book Pass if you're into Milwaukee Book stuff. And likewise, listen to Win and Six Podcasts. That's it. That's my plugs. If you don't want to do those things, that's okay. That's probably better for both of us. None of us need it. <laughs> uh, my plugs are you can find me on Twitter at Ty Windish with an I like the podcast. Time out with Ty, which is available. Everywhere, pretty much podcasts are, except Spotify. I'm still working on that one. Uh, please subscribe, share, tell your friends if you like it. It's not always this long, but sometimes it is, clearly. Uh, shout out to Joey Burbs. There's an intro and outro music for this podcast. You can find his music everywhere you find music. It's really good. He's got some good stuff cooking right now that I'm, I'm definitely a fan of. Um, I think that's that's it for the plugs, everyone. Uh, everyone go follow Adam and read Behind the Buck Pass. If you don't, you probably do. Uh, but Adam, thank you for coming on episode 124 of Time Out with Ty. Thanks, Ty. Oh.